0: Hey guys, thanks for tuning in today. You know, this message that you're about to hear, I pray that it not only inspires you, but encourages you to follow Jesus even more. In fact, there are probably people in your life who need to hear this timely word. Chances are you're thinking about them right now. Share this message with them. And if you're watching on YouTube, make sure that you hit subscribe. I also wanna thank those who support us. We wouldn't have any ministry outside these four walls if it wasn't for our friends who come alongside us to pray and support us financially. There are thousands, I mean thousands, who are benefited by this ministry because of your giving and your prayers, and we thank you. To continue or to even start supporting our mission and to help others and their families follow Jesus, you can do so by visiting our website at cfmiami.org. give. Enjoy this sermon. Folks, what a beautiful reminder, right, that as we go through those fires in life and maybe right now you are going through one of those fires. We know that there's a God that's present with us. We know there's a God who will never leave us or forsake us. And he will be faithful to get us through the fire. Amen. Can we praise God today for that All campuses? Amen. Hey, well, welcome, everyone. It is great to see you today. Welcome. My name is Omar, and I have the honor and the privilege of serving as lead pastor here at Christ Fellowship. And today we are starting to wind down a series called... The Unholy wandering that we've been looking at some selected stories from the wandering years of the people of Israel. And every week it feels like we're learning a lot from God's Word, amen? Uh, but today, uh, the topic of the message is unholy sex. And so if you have little ones with you at one of our local campuses, I would to encourage you, take, take them now to uh, see if kids, uh, or maybe if you're watching online from home, uh, maybe go take them to another room and put on CF Kids Online. Have them enjoy uh, the teaching that CF Kids provides for us. Because uh, today's message is going to be a little more sensitive for the adults. And so I want to make sure that children are in their appropriate spaces. All right. But if you have your Bibles, let's turn to Numbers chapter 25 and also 1 Corinthians chapter 10. And uh, wherever you find yourself, you can follow along with me as I read. All right. Listen to what God's Word says. So while Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to hoard with the daughters of Moab. And these invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods. And the people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal of Peor, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. And then in 1 Corinthians it says this, now, these things took place as examples for us that we might not desire evil as they did. We must not indulge in what church? Sex. Sexual immorality. Yeah. In other words, they went outside God's design for sex and eventually they suffered the consequences. That is God's word. You could go into can see everybody at all campuses. And folks, let me start off by sharing this with you. You know, a, f- a few years back, I shared with you already that we went, that Asha and I had the blessing of taking a trip to Maui, uh, Hawaii, for one of our anniversaries. And, um, you know, we had a free, free plane ticket, free hotel. So, where do we want to go? We want to go to Maui. We've, we've heard it's amazing. So, we went and we got on a plane and we went over there. But, folks, follow me here. Because, like I shared with you before, Maui has many different great things to experience. But one of the most amazing things to do while you're there is to rent a jeep, all right, and go on a, on a, on a trip through the road to Hana. And the road to Hana, if you have not familiar, it's a, it's, a, it's a road that really hugs the northern coast that goes from the center all the way to Hana, a little village at the end of the island. And get this. The Rotahana is one of the most beautiful roads in the entire world. I mean, it leads you through some flourishing rainforests. Uh, there is, uh, are some majestic seascapes that you can see. There are these beautiful waterfalls. Uh, there's these plunging pools that you can get off and get enjoy. And there's even a black sand beach that you can stop and see along the way. However... On the other side of that coin, the road to Hana is probably one of the most dangerous roads to travel. And here's why. It's because on one side of this road, you have these towering mountains that you just kind of look up and you kind of finally lost yourself in. And on the other side of the road, there are these steep cliffs, uh, about 300 feet, that plunge right into the Pacific uh, Ocean. And so, folks, the crater of this road, when they were envisioning this road, this journey... The creator of this road knew that the most beautiful parts of this journey was also the most dangerous parts of the journey as well. And so at those critical junctures, at the most beautiful place, he placed guardrails along the journey. In fact, everyone say guardrails. Guardrails. Everyone say guardrails. Guardrails. Yeah, he placed guardrails along the journey because he knew that as long as you stayed within the guardrails, Right at those critical moments in the journey, listen. You will be able to have a beautiful experience. But the moment that you get out of those guardrails, out of those boundaries, only pain and sorrow awaits for you. Now, mind you, those most those moments in the journey are the ones that you're most tempted to go outside of it. Right? Because the moment you get outside of those boundaries, you get even a better view. Right? But here's the thing. It's sad to say many of the people who have accidents and some of them fatal is because at those critical moments of the journey, they did not abide by the creator's boundaries that he set in place, but rather they went outside of those boundaries and they paid the price dearly. And folks, let me just bring that over to our time together because if you think about it, what an example of sex. And by that, I mean that just like in those parts of the road to Hana, there are the most beautiful parts, right? The creator set boundaries, right, so that you would stay in those boundaries and enjoy it to the fullest, just like that. And here's the main idea as we open up God's word today. You know, in this journey called life, one of the most beautiful moments of the human experience is sex. And God, being the creator of sex, Hollywood didn't create sex, God created sex, even though he designed it to be a very beautiful experience, he also knew that if you go outside of his design, outside of the intended purposes of sex, oftentimes there will be much sorrow and sadness on the other side. And sure, listen, it may be enjoyable for a brief moment, but listen carefully, shortly thereafter, You feel the emptiness, the sorrow, and the sadness that comes along with it. And who knows, maybe you're right now, you're here today, maybe you're at home watching online. And as you're thinking about your life, you've realized that a lot of the sorrow and the pain, and in fact, the most hardest moments in your life, somewhere along the way, it had to be related to sexual immorality. Whether it was you who committed sexual immorality or someone else committed sexual immorality and it affected you? Here's the thing. Oftentimes, many of us will look back in our life and see in the aftereffects the destructiveness of sexual immorality. And so maybe you're here right now, and maybe you've experienced some of that, or maybe you haven't, and you're thinking, oh, Mara, as we move forward in the future, what do we need to know so that we can, as a church and individuals, honor the Lord in this area, and enjoy this beautiful gift to the fullest. Well, folks, we're going to find out today from God's Word in Numbers chapter 25, all right? So if you have your Bibles, let's go ahead and turn to Numbers chapter 25. And today I have three important things for us to know when it comes about this topic. Are you already Christ Fellowship at all campuses? Come on, are you ready? Yeah. And it's a little rainy, but come on, we're ready for God's word, right? So write this down as point number one. Here's the first thing we need to know. And that is that God created sexual boundaries for us. In fact, listen to what God's word says in Numbers 25. It says, while Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. Now folks, stop right there and slip into the scene. Because last week we learned that as the people of Israel were traveling through the wilderness. If I could get the uh, map on the screen, if you don't mind production, there you go. If you recall from last week, right, the people of Israel have been wandering through the wilderness. And now, last week we learned that they got to the border of Edom. And Edom did not allow them to pass by, right? And so they then began to go around. They had to go the long way, which during that time they became impatient. And if you didn't see the message last week, go online you can catch it. But they went around, right, they had to go around, if we can put the next slide for us. Yeah, they had to go around the the nation of Edom, and they also had to go around Moab. And then they settled in a place called Shittim right across the Jordan River on the other side of the land of Canaan. Okay? And, folks, it was here in this place where they settled that the people of Israel, according to God's word, began to be sexually immoral. And, folks, listen, God knew that sex was an important part of the human experience. And so as for a nation, as they were beginning to assemble as a nation and they were about to settle into the land, uh, they, God knew that they were going to get married and they were going to start having children. And so God gave them boundaries and guardrails to ensure that they would do, live this aspect of their life in a, in a way that, that would honor him. And so he gave two. If you look throughout God's word, there's two major guardrails when it comes really to a romantic life. And here's the first one. Write this down, letter A. And that is that the people of God could not marry outside the people of God. Now, folks, listen to the command that God gives the people of Israel in the book of Deuteronomy. It says, you shall not, what, church? What is it? Yeah. You shall not intermarry with them. Giving, and meaning those other nations that did not worship the one true God, right? Giving your daughters to their sons or taking their daughters for, for your sons. And folks, and here is why. For they will turn away your sons from following me to serve other gods. Then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you and he will destroy you quickly. And so, folks, the first big guardrail that we see in, in God's word is that God told the people of Israel, listen, as you journey through all these different nations and all these different countries, and as you eventually settle in the land of Canaan, in the promised land, listen, you shall not intermarry with anybody outside the people of God and others and others. Why? Because eventually... God knew that if they began to do this, they will lead their sons and daughters away from the one true God, from him. And folks, then things have not changed where God stands on this issue. In fact, the New Testament, God's word says, Do not be unequally yoked with unbelievers, for what partnership has righteousness with lawlessness, or what fellowship has light with darkness? In other words, listen, if you are a believer in Christ, right, if you have professed Christ as Savior, you consider yourself a Christian, and you are a child of God, God's will for your life, if you're single right now, listen, God's will for your life is that you would marry someone who loves the Lord and is following the Lord just like you are. And folks, it only makes sense. Because if Jesus is truly the Lord of your life, If Jesus is the most important aspect of your life, if you are under, if your life is under the authority, the will, and the guidance of God, then it only makes sense, right, that you marry someone who is aligned to that. And let me tell you something, it just makes sense logically, Because if Christ is truly the most important thing in your life, if the Lord and your walk with him is preeminent to every other thing in life, then folks, it's gonna be very hard if you marry someone who is not aligned to those same values, right? At first, all the butterflies are there, but I'm telling you, in the crucial decisions in life, in the key moments in life, if you are not married to someone who is aligned to you, and they're, not a, and they're not a believer, and not—and Christ is not the most important part of your life, here's what's going to happen, all right? Either A, slowly but surely, they're going to lead you away from God, and your love for the Lord is going to grow cold as a result, or B, if you, if you stay true to the Lord, listen, it will be a challenging journey. In fact, I don't know how many times I've had to counsel people who are in a position where their spouse is not a believer and they're just going through hard moments in life because the most important thing in their life is not their most important thing in life. And listen, when you have to make decisions and the way you live your life and the morals that you teach your children, there are going to be conflicts, right? So God is just giving you, right, guidance and his will for your own good. Amen? Amen. And here's a second boundary, guardrail that God gives his people. Write this down letter B. And that is that the people of God could only enjoy sexual pleasure within the covenant of marriage. Amen. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, God had already declared at creation, in chapter 2 actually, that, uh, that, that, that sex was a gift from God. And to a married couple, right? It's one of the ways we become one flesh. It's a very beautiful experience, intimate experience that is to be shared between a husband and a wife. And so that is clearly understood in Scripture. But folks, get this. In Leviticus 18 and later on in Deuteronomy 22, God gives even further instructions about sexual intimacy. And, and, and he does that in order for the people of God to be so crystal clear not to go outside throughout the boundaries. And it's not only in the Old Testament, it's through the New Testament. And so God emphasizes throughout his word that any sexual intercourse, any sexual pleasure outside of the covenant of marriage is a sin before God. In fact, if you, as you read these chapters... The Lord will give detailed instructions about all these different things like adultery, uh, premarital sex, incest, homosexuality. All of these different types of sexual sins that are outside of God's design for sex within the context of marriage. And folks, I feel that the reason that God goes at great length to state where he stands on this is because he knows that you and I could so be easily influenced by our culture. And because of that, listen to what he tells the people of God before he gives all the detailed instructions on this. He says this. He says, I am the Lord your God. You shall not do in the land of Egypt where you lived and you... And you shall not do as they do in the land of Canaan to which I am bringing you. You shall not walk in their statutes. You shall follow my rules, keep my statutes, and walk in them, for I am the Lord your God. In other words, listen, people of God, you used to live in Egypt where sexual immorality was not only accepted and tolerated, No, their practices was they were even celebrating and encouraging sexual immorality. Now you're leaving Egypt, and now you're going to Canaan. And listen carefully, they do the same thing as well. And so people of God, listen, if I am your God, Israel, if I am the Lord who loves you, who's guided, who set you free, listen, you shall not do what they do. You follow my leading. You follow my will. Amen? And listen, I cannot think of of a portion of Scripture that is even more applicable today. Because, listen, we are now living and have been for many decades in a culture where sexual immorality, okay, is not only tolerated, right? At one point in our nation, it wasn't tolerated. Then it transitioned to? Being tolerated. Now we are in a season in our history where it is encouraged and celebrated, and anybody who disagrees is close minded, is old fashioned, is a bigot, is judgmental, all these different things, right? With, and so here's what happens it's so easy for us who have grown up in this culture, me. And so many of you, right, have grown up in this culture that because of society, we have tended to minimize sexual sin in our mind. And we think, things, well, it's not so bad. Huh? You know, it's not that big of a deal. Oh, well, you know, everyone's doing it. It's part of love. It's part of life. Love is love. Right? And so we come up, culture comes up with all these different things. And the people of God, somewhere along the line, we start minimizing the severity of sexual sin in our minds. When in reality, all right, write this down as big number two, sexual immorality is a great sin before God. In fact, now listen to what happens next in his story. So while Israel lived in Shittim, the people began to whore with the daughters of Moab. And these invited the people to the sacrifices of their gods, and people ate and bowed down to their gods. So Israel yoked himself to Baal, who's their, that false god. I'll explain more now. And the anger of the Lord was kindled against Israel. So folks, what God warned that would happen is exactly what happened. They began to worship Baal. Some of them got intermarried. And guess what? Eventually that led to sexual immorality. And the reason the worship of Baal led to to sexual immorality is because even though Baal was the main god of the Canaanites, right, that false god of that region at that time, Baal was ultimately a fertility god. And it was thought that Baal uh, that the, the Baal was the one who blessed fertility and would be the one who flourishes people and gave people children. And so many times, they would have to offer the firstborn to Baal as a sacrifice in order for God to bless their remaining families. But here's the issue. Baal, obviously with demonic backgrounds, a demonic back, um, uh, uh, you know, the, the demonic influence behind all this, The the worship of Baal actually involved a lot of sensuality, uh, ritualistic prostitution, and all these sort of sexual immoral sins. And so the people of Israel began to, to do all these different sexual sins outside of what God had told them. And so listen to what happens next. And the Lord said to Moses, So take all the chiefs of the people and hang them in the sun before the Lord that the fierce anger of the Lord may turn away from Israel. And Moses said to the judges of Israel, each one of you kill those of his men who have yoked themselves to Baal of Peor. Peor. In other words, grab all these leaders, these so-called religious leaders, you grab them who are leading my people astray and you hang them before everybody. That's what God said. Which, by the way, God could bring judgment on sin at that very moment, or he can delay. He is just in whatever he chooses. Amen? Amen. And so he says, bring judgment right now on those men who are leading my people astray. And then, not only that, because the people were engaged in sexual immorality as a nation, the Lord then sends a plague and people begin to die. And so as people are weeping, right, because think about it now... They all gathered to the tent of meeting, the tabernacle, and they're weeping because of what's happening. People are dying, all these different things. And while they're there, right, in a sense, they come to church, right? They come to church, in a sense. The tabernacle was a place of worship. And so while they were all gathered together at the tabernacle, listen to what happens next. And behold, one of the people of Israel came and brought a Midianite woman to his family, In the sight of Moses and in the sight of the whole congregation of the people of Israel, while they were weeping at the entrance of the tent of meeting. In other words, this God brought this woman. He was being sexually immoral, and he was unrepentant, and he was defiant about it, right? Because all this is happening because of this sin. So So then when Phinehas, the son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he rose, took a spear in his hand... And went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them, the man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000 people. And so, notice the moment that the last person committing this sexual immorality was killed, was taken out of the camp of Israel, the plague. Stop! But by then, 24,000 people had died because of this. Now, I know in this today's day and age, this this, the story may seem odd, right, or extreme. But there's a lot for us to learn from this story, because again, we as a people of God, we can minimize the severity of sexual sin, just like Israel minimized it. In fact, listen to what God's word says in First Corinthians chapter 10 says, now these things took place as examples for us. These things took place as examples for Omar, as examples for you. Why? That we might not desire evil as they did. We must not indulge in sexual immorality. Now the word there for sexual immorality in 1 Corinthians is the Greek word "pornuo," which is the word that we get pornography now in the English. But the word pornoo there in the original text is not only referring to pornography. No, that's part of it. But the reality is the word pornoo is a word, is a general term for any sexual activity outside of the covenant of marriage. Whatever the case may be, adultery, sleeping together before marriage, uh, homosexuality, incest, whatever the case may be other than what God has said, that is what is encapsulated in this word. It says, we must not indulge in sexual immorality, as some of them did, and 23,000 fell in a single day. Which, by the way, the discrepancy there is because most likely they're taking the other 1,000 for the leaders that were, that, 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 that were killed for, because of this. But then it says this. Now, these things happened to them as an example, but they were written down for our instruction today. Amen? And so, folks, there is a few things that we can learn from this. First of all, write this down, setter A, and that is that sexual sin will lead you away from God. You know, if it led the people of Israel away from God, then it can lead you and me away from God. You know, every time that we give into sexual sin of whatever kind, listen, there's something about it that just moves us further away from God, right? Relationally, there's something there, whether you recognize it or not, right? There's something there that when you engage in sexual immorality, it draws you further from God. But not only that, write this down as letter B, sexual sin affects us like no other sin. This is why God's word says in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, flee from sexual immorality. Every other sin a person commits is outside the body. But the sexually immoral person sins against his what? His own body. Or do you not know that your body, if you are a believer in Christ, if you're a child of God, don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God? You are not your own. You are not your own, child of God. For you were bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Listen, what God is showing us here is that when we sin sexually, there's something about it that you sin against your own body. There's something about sexual sin that really permeates to the deepest part of who you are and so even every other sin, right, you know, we get affected by it. sexual sin is different according to God because you're sinning against your own body. And so because of it, write this down as big number three. Listen, we must strive for sexual purity. Amen? Amen. And first of all, write this down as letter A. We should strive for sexual purity individually. In fact, listen to what God's Word says in First Thessalonians. For this is the will of God, your sanctification. And listen carefully. That you abstain from sexual immorality. That each one of you, each one of us individually, know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passions of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man, not Pastor Omar, not the pastors of this church, not the leaders of this church. No, they disregard not man, but who? But God, who gives his Holy Spirit to you. And I love that. God is telling us listen, if you, if you know God, if you were. If you know that you were bought with a price when Jesus Christ died on the cross he died he purchased you for himself if you know that God that 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 you are God and he is yours listen then strive to honor God in this area individually In other words, listen, there should be a conviction in our hearts. If you are a believer in Christ, right, if you are a child of God, if you profess Christ as Savior, there there should be some sort of conviction in your heart that you want to honor God in this area. Even if you stumbled in the past, there should be a sense, you know what, I want to strive to honor the Lord with my body. Can I get an amen to that? And folks, God not only calls us to strive individually in our own personal lives, in our own personal thoughts, but also, write this down as letter B, we're called to strive for sexual purity collectively as a church. You know, it's interesting that the command that God gave the people of Israel was not just individually, but rather it was for the entire people group. Because, listen carefully, when sin was in the camp, it affected every single one. Amen? We just read that. And, folks, what a lesson for us today. Because, listen, we must protect the purity of the church. Because, listen, when one of us begins to be sexually immoral in any which way or form, it begins to affect all of us, even our little children, in a way that we can understand when sin in this type of sin enters into the people of God, it starts affecting every single one of us. And so collectively, we as a church should strive for sexual purity. In fact, think about this. If the world today, they get loud when it comes to this topic, Right? They celebrate it, they sing songs about it, they put pictures on it on social media, they talk about it, they celebrate sexual immorality in every which way. Here's the thing, Then we as a church, especially for our children, we need to be louder than the world. You see, the danger for us is to say, shh, hush, hush, let's not talk about sexual immorality, when the world is screaming it. We as the church collectively, we are going to talk about it because it's not only important for our souls, for ourselves, for our relationship with God. It's important for our church collectively, and it's important for our children. Amen? And so listen, and see if students, if you're in high, listen, if you're in see students, encourage each other students towards honoring the Lord in this area. Talk about it. Encourage each other. If you are a young adult, listen carefully. I know that you're single and you're getting ready to get married. Listen, in young adults, this topic cannot be hush-hush. This is a topic that we need to encourage you, Encourage each other to strive to honor the Lord. Listen carefully, in our small groups, adult small groups, men small groups, women small groups, listen, keep each other accountable. Ask the hard questions, right? This is what biblical community is all about, amen? Older women, teach the younger women about honoring the Lord in this area. Older men, teach the younger men. Tell them your success. Tell them your mistakes. But they need to understand the severity of sexual immorality. And so listen carefully. I want us to understand that us striving for it is a collective effort. Can I get an amen to that? Amen. And listen, when one of us starts to struggle in this area, right, whatever the case may be, uh, premarital sex, adultery, uh, you know, whatever the case may be, homosexuality, listen carefully, and they come out and they talk about it and they confide in one person or a group of people whatever the case may be, listen carefully. We show grace. We show love, and we help each other take steps towards obedience. Can I get an amen to that? Because, listen, there is forgiveness. There's restoration. The Lord saved us, right, so that when we stumble, that we get up and say, you know what? We need to pursue the Lord in this area. And so whatever case in you are, whatever, if you are struggling with this, right? Listen, you have more than permission to share with somebody you know, a pastor, whoever. Listen, talk to somebody, and listen, we are going to help you in whatever way we can take steps in the, in the right direction. But listen, there has to be repentance. There has to be contrition. There has to be a desire. You know what? Man, I've faltered in this area. I want to honor the Lord. There, there has to be that type of heart behind it. Amen? So if on one side of the coin, right, there's a lot of grace, a lot of mercy, uh, and and we do a lot of things to help you get restored and and heading the right direction, right? For those who are repentant, for those who want to honor the Lord, that's on one side of the coin. On the other side of the coin, listen, we must also deal with unrepentant sin seriously, You know, going back to the story, we see that they went through extreme measures to deal with it because they knew it was affecting everybody in the camp of Israel. And listen, we as a church, listen, we're called to treat sexual immorality with the same severity. So, for example, if someone is sinning sexually in adultery, you know, whatever the case may be, and they are unrepentant, they are are defiant about it, They are unfaced about it, and they are bold with their sin. Listen, God has has given us instructions. In fact, listen to what the Apostle Paul writes to the church in Corinthians that was dealing with this. The Apostle Paul wrote, listen, I am writing to you not to associate with anyone who bears the name of a brother. In other words, if this person said that they're a believer in Christ, they've given their life to Christ, they're surrendered to the Lord, if... He says, do not be willing to associate with anyone who bears the name of brother if he is guilty of sexual immorality. For what do we have, for what have I to do with judging outsiders? Is it not those inside of the church whom you are to judge? God judges those outside. Then it says, purge the evil person among you. In other words, what is it saying? I just share that with you because I want you to understand that this is not a light topic. That this is not something that's just, you know, you know, we're just flipping about it. We're accepting. Listen, there's a lot of grace and mercy we love. We want to help all of us, right, head towards honoring the Lord in every area in your life, including this. But also there's severity for those who are bold, unrepentant, and defiant about it, yet they still want to say that they worship God, that they love the Lord, and they, you know, there, there has to be a moment where things are addressed. And so listen, maybe after listening to this message, you're thinking, man, Omar, like, honestly, I, God takes this more seriously than I thought. And I really want to honor God in this area. You know, I've been messing up here and there. I've had issues in my life. And, and, and listen, that's okay. You probably, but you're saying, Omar, I I do want to take steps towards uh, obedience. I want to honor the Lord. So what are some simple steps? I'm going to just give you three quick things, okay? First of all, uh, make a commitment, in in, in your heart, in your mind, there has to be a commitment that you are not going to sin against God in this area, that this is not even an option in your mind. And here's why. Because if in your mind you think, well, sexual sin, I I shouldn't do it, right? Uh, You know, it's not the best for me, right? If you even give 1%, 5% chance of you you know, you should do it. Guess what? The enemy is going to grab that little percentage, and he is going to, he's going to do whatever possible to bring you down. And so the first step, I want to encourage you, listen, make that type of sin not even an option in your mind. Me growing up, listen, when I made that commitment before God, listen, that, you know, sex outside of marriage was not even an option for me. And let me tell you, that type of mentality really helped me in my life. Why? It wasn't an, an option. It wasn't even something for me to consider, right? And so the same thing with you. So listen, if you're single, you're a young adult, maybe you're later, later in life, and you're re- getting remarried and you're single, great. Listen, let, let that be a conviction in your mind. And if the other person does not have, doesn't have those same convictions, Right, and they still want, and they want to have sex, they want to do all these things, listen carefully, that is a red flag for you. Because it may be showing you right there that they are not pursuing the Lord, honoring the Lord in the way that you are trying to pursue the Lord. And you know what, it only makes sense, singles, because if you want God to bless your marriage, your, your relationships, then you need to honor God in this area. We cannot be hypocrites in this this moment. We cannot be saying, oh, God, please bring me that person. Oh, God, bless my future marriage. Oh, God, bless this relationship, yet we're sinning against God sexually. You can't expect God to bless a relationship that you're sinning in. You want God to bless you and your family and your marriage? Then strive to honor the Lord in this area. Make a firm commitment that that's not going to be something you do. Second of all, listen, avoid and flee temptation. And avoidance is huge. Because many, so many people, they fall into sexual sin because they find themselves in compromisable uh, situations. listen, if you're married, listen, there's a limit to how how friendly you can get with the other people of the opposite sex in the workplace. Right, you can't develop this deep friendship with someone and not expect for something to ever happen. Listen, if you're single, you're dating, don't find yourself in positions, in, in places where you are susceptible for sexual sin, right? If you're struggling with pornography, get those things out of your life. Get rid of some apps, whatever the case may be. But you need to be wise and avoid certain situations, right? Even if some people think, man, he's mean, he doesn't talk to me. Listen, I'd rather, me personally, I'd rather have another woman think that I'm, you know, that I'm not too friendly because I'll never get myself in those situations. Does that make sense? And so listen, as men, for example, you need to be careful with the friendships that you develop in your life. The last but not least, oh, by the way, and if temptation does come your way, Joseph taught us what to do, right? Flee. You flee from that temptation, amen? And third, listen, have accountability. Listen, you should, if God did not envision you to do your life, your Christian life alone. That's why we stress small groups so much. Then have other men, other women in your life that you're held accountable. And you know what, it's almost healthy to even say to that person, your, your best friend who's a believer, whoever, listen, I give you permission to ask me questions on this. Because you know what, when you give each other permission to temporarily check hey man, how you're doing in this area, what's going on, I am telling you, you know that now there's someone who's gonna ask and you. you're gonna hold them accountable. And having accountability in your life goes a long way in you honoring the Lord in this area. Amen? So let me end with this. Listen, the, the, Lord, the, the world promises the sexual immorality will bring you so much joy, will bring you so much, all these great things. But if you've tasted and seen, you know that ultimately it leaves you emptier than you were before. And it doesn't bring the joy that it promises. Why? It's not God's design. It's not what the good Lord said, here's why I created this. And listen, so for some of us today, the teaching, especially if maybe your are first summit, you're thinking, man, wow, this is, you know, this is just a lot. Listen, we don't talk about this often. In fact, I haven't, you know, it's been a long time since we talk about this topic. But I think it needs to be talked about. And the reason that needs to be talked about is because God wants the best for you. God wants you to have a joyful life. And all the joy in the world will only be found according to his plan. In any area in of life, including this specific area. Can I get amen to that? And so listen, here's what I want to do. I'm going to, in a few moments, I'm going to pray for us. uh, Just a prayer uh, for us, for our church in this area. Uh, And then afterwards, I have an important announcement to make. So don't leave at all campuses and online. Make sure you stay online. I have something to share with you all. But I want to pray now. That, you know, that the Lord would put a conviction, not only individually, but that the Lord would put a conviction in our church in general, right? To try to pursue the Lord in this area. Let me pray for us. Lord, we come before you, oh God. And Lord, we know that this is something so beautiful that you've made for a husband and a wife, Lord. Lord, the enemy has distorted it and have made it so ugly. And, and Lord, we as a people of God, we recognize it. And so Father, my prayer is for all of us individually, including myself, oh Lord, I am part of the people of God at this church, for that you would continue to create in us a desire to always honor you in this area. Father, I pray for those of us who may be stumbling in this area, and I'm sure there's many of us that are. Father, remind them of your love, remind them of your forgiveness, remind them today that, you have the best intentions for them. And Father, let your love and mercy, Lord, lead them to commit to want to say, you know what, I want to honor you the Lord in this area. Lord, only your spirit can do that, Father. I pray that you would do that in their hearts. And Father, also the church. Father, this is your bride, this is your people. So Father, I pray that for all of us that there is a collective effort, Lord. For us to pursue you in this way, and honor you, Lord, protect us from the attacks of the enemy, O oh God. And Lord, help us, Lord, as we move forward, from the youngest of us to the oldest of us, to encourage each other towards honoring you in this way. God, we love you and we thank you. We as a people of Christ' fellowship, we commit ourselves to this. We love you and we thank you. It's in the precious name of Jesus, I pray, and all of God's people say, Amen. 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 Well, family, and before you leave, I have an important announcement to make. Um, so you may not know this, but we as a church, we plan way ahead. I mean, our teaching calendar is usually prepared almost, almost a year in advance. This, this teaching, this series was prepared early last year, right? So we do, a, we have a great team that really prepares long-term. And, uh, and so after this series is over, The, un, the Unholy Wonder, we're supposed to start a new series through the book of Deuteronomy. But... I felt like the Lord for, uh, put this in my heart uh, to call uh, an audible um, for just a moment and go into a short marriage series coming up um, for three weeks. And here's why. You know, if you're a football fan, you know this, right? Uh, you know, when the, the team comes to the line of scrimmage, they all have a plan, right? They know they have a plan of what they want to execute. We have a plan. We have a teaching plan. But when the quarterback gets to the line of scrimmage and sees the enemy, the op- opposition, right, strategizing and something that's, that's going to hurt their team and push the team back, the, the quarterback calls what he calls an audible. And he looks around and say, we're going to adjust to uh, prepare for the attacks of the enemy, right? And so in a sense, me as lead pastor, I'm, I went to our team and I'm, I'm calling an audible here, okay? We're gonna push this Deuteronomy study a few weeks later on, but we're gonna do a short three-week marriage study um, um, because oftentimes, amen, because I feel in my heart that there's a lot of us who may not only be struggling, but some of us uh, are either at the brink, brink of divorce, struggling, or just starting to have problems. And I know that the, the enemy, I sense that there's an, the enemy's at work and that he's seeking to destroy our marriages. And so, you know, here's the thing, when so many of us are really at home fighting against each other, the name of this new three-week series is called, For God's Sakes, Fight For Your Marriage. In fact, take a look at this video. Thank you. Awesome. and so listen I want to encourage you uh, uh, so next week we're gonna conclude this series uh, the unholy wondering next week is the last installment and then the first weekend of March in two weeks is when we start this series so I want to encourage you listen if whether your marriage is great or you're struggling be here it's important for us to be here together if you're single you need to hear this and if you know people in your life neighbors friends cousins whatever they're struggling in their marriage Men, have them come for a three-week series. I am telling you, it's going to be so, so helpful. And we're going to lead our couples to, for God's sakes, fight for their marriage. Can I get an amen to that? All right. So go ahead and stand up with me. Let me pray for us, and then we'll be dismissed. My Lord, God, thank you, Father, for your word. And, Father, I pray for our marriages, Lord, as we start this series in a few weeks. Father, may you do some powerful things in our hearts, and may you lead us. To our, to our marriages, to where they need to be. So, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for your precious word, even in the hard teachings and the hard topics. But we're grateful that you always guide your people. We love you. We thank you. It's in the precious name of Jesus, I pray. And all of God's people say, amen. See you next week, Christ Fellowship.